All right, interesting names. Uh, Daryl, a, a couple more I'll throw out. Todd Orlando recently, the, the Texas defensive coordinator, uh, when Tom Herman was sort of, again, kind of forced to to make a bunch of changes there at Texas, he's out. I think he could be an interesting name. And then another name familiar, certainly to USC fans, Joe Barry uh, is, is the <laughs> got a lot of titles with the Rams right now. Assistant head coach, linebackers coach, front coordinator, uh, with the Rams, what you know, played at USC, coached at, at USC, and and he'd be a guy I think a lot of USC fans would would welcome back uh, as a coordinator, kind of like with Greg when you talked about uh, Jack Del Rio. I, I think some of the same some of the same characteristics there um, with, with Joe Barry, and then the special teams that that was something where that was again like with Clancy Pendergast, you know, the, the expectation certainly at the end of the year was that USC was going to have to find another way to go there. That, that was just this season, USC finishes 130th. And again, that's out of 130 teams dead last in the nation in kickoff return defense. You're a full yard worse than the team that finished 129th. You're 15 yards per return behind the number one team in the nation there. That's just, it's too many yards. It's two kickoff return touchdowns, almost a third, uh, the, the one that Arizona State then quickly punched in. Uh, in terms of kickoff returns, you did get a touchdown this year from Bayless Jones, still 56th uh, in the nation in kickoff returns, 50th in net punting, just too many sort of athletes to, to be kind of middle of the road. And, and for me, too much time spent practicing special teams. It's fine if you want to spend that much time practicing special teams and then be really good at it. I mean, have it be one of those kind of how Virginia Tech was for a long time where they just found big plays and touchdowns constantly. While those did happen for USC at at various points, you almost would have rather just taken kind of a, a net zero in terms of let's not get any big plays out of special teams, but not give up any big plays out of special teams and we'll figure it out offense and defense. So USC will have to figure out kind of where to go uh, with that position. If that even ends up being kind of a, a full-time coach, John Baxter this year, he handled tight ends and special teams. Uh, and, and then a couple other um, Coaching notes. The, the first note that actually came through this offseason was Joe DeForest, who handled uh, outside linebackers for USC this year, and really kind of an interesting group. There were only, at, at, at certain points, four guys uh, that he was coaching at outside linebacker. All of them either suffered injuries or uh, went, you know, played some middle linebackers. So that was just a, a tiny group. Hunter Eccles finished the season on the bench. Abdul Malik McLean, uh, he got injured. Early in the year, uh, you, you had some guys. Elijah Winston is there. Giuliano Falanico is there. But the emergence of Drake Jackson really sent USC into that four down front for so much of the season uh, that that felt like a, a position where, you know, certainly it didn't, it didn't feel like it necessitated a, a full-time coach for a couple of those guys. So not a huge surprise. He's going to North Carolina State to be the defensive backs coach. And then a, an interesting note, Chris Hawkins who you know, obviously played uh, safety at USC and was a USC grad assistant this year, there was a thought certainly that he could get a, a full-time gig uh, in the future somewhere. That happened a lot earlier than, I, than certainly I expected for him. He's at Arizona State now as the, the uh, defensive back coach for Arizona State. He's going to be another 
tough recruiting matchup in the Pac-12 um, for USC looking yep. forward. And he was a, a great recruiter uh, at USC as a GA. Arizona State is kind of putting a, a, a some finishing touches on a staff that is going to recruit California and specifically Southern California, specifically, specifically the L.A. area uh, of Southern California really hard that that puts usc in a position now if you want to make a statement with signing day coming up in february there's some hills you're gonna to have to climb against some of these guys so we'll see where usc goes with a now what feels like could be a, a number of positions opening up that they're going to be able to fill and that sort of brings us to, to to wrapping this up uh greg i want to start with you just looking for and it's not even so much trying to put a, a positive spin on things because a, after Iowa and kind of the way things are going, it, it's, it is right now tough to see kind of clear skies and, and clarity. It, it's so much a, you got to prove it. And I understand that's tough because you're not going to see the field for a long time. And, and a lot of the stuff that you do this off season is going to be met by negativity from fans who frankly, are, t- are tired of hearing about what's going to happen or hearing, you know, yeah, you just saw this, but it's, that's not true. It's going to be like this. And so, uh, you know, right now, USC is kind of in a tough spot to explain themselves to fans. But Greg, big picture things for you. What, what do you want to see happen? What are the things that, that USC needs to do over the next days, weeks, months, I guess, for to, to put themselves in a spot where, Maybe in your mind, it's kind of like, okay, things, things might be trending up. Things might be going in a right direction. Or at least I feel, I feel at least a little bit more comfortable going into this 2020 season than either going into 2019 or kind of how things played out in, in 2018, 2019. Well, I think, first of all, they have to, they have to make a big splash on defensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I enjoyed hearing the different names that Daryl brought out you know, some of the ones that you brought out. But my, from my perspective, in order to gain credibility, they have to bring in somebody that, that everyone will say, yeah, that's the guy. I know who it is. Charlie Strong uh, has a great reputation as an assistant coach. Uh, you know, Del Rio, I, would, I, I have uh, long believed that uh, if he wanted to be a defensive coordinator at SC, he would bring the old SC attitude back. And I think that, that he, knows, he knows what it's all about. You have to have something of a big splash right now. Uh, if the February signing period is going to have any type of positiveness to it, they have to bring in somebody that's going to be able to go into a living room or be brought on campus uh, to, like a Claiborne, um, to, to get people going. The loss of Chris Hawkins, in my opinion, is a major loss because his father also runs a very successful uh, seven on seven team, and uh, you can't lose sight of that. If you understand the way basketball works at the travel team level, football is almost there now in the same capacity. You know, these, these, these traveling team coaches and organizers have a tremendous input, and I'm sure Herman Ed, Herm Edwards saw that when he hired Chris, and Chris is a Trojan. He, he will one day uh, come back to coach at SC. I have no doubt about that. But in terms of how do you change an, an attitude and a culture you bring in people that can that are culture changers, uh, attitude changers. Everybody knows uh, uh, some of the names that we talked about. 
Uh, and, and more importantly, somebody has to go into the office of Carol Polk and say, look it, do you understand the damage that's been done? Uh, do you realize what I, I would not want to be the, the USC uh, ticket department promotion people at this time? You know, the press conference that uh, that Pelton had after the uh, Holiday Bowl was a disaster. OK, they've got to avoid Pelton going out there and saying comments like, you know, things are really going to be bright. And where do we think in terms of national championships? And like you brought up, Eric, uh, hey, how about winning the South Division? That might be a good chance, but that, that should be a given. FC should never be thinking in terms. They should be thinking, but words don't match the results. The return is not as good as the investment. So I think a little baby step should be a big step, and it begins with who they hire on the defensive end. Daryl, how about you? you? Know, what are you looking thank for? You. <laughs> um, when I look at this, I think the first step has already been done. OK, um, and and a step in the right direction by hook or by crook, by omission or by commission. The, the mere fact that John Baxter and Clancy Pendergast, public enemy number two and three amongst all USC fan base, whether you go on any social media platform or you were there like us at any given time in the stands, the, the disdain for them right now, the fact that they've been removed gives this fan base optimism. Because we saw changes occur on the offensive side last year that brought in a positive results. It brought in the stability of a Graham Harrell. Not once all season did I question the identity of the team. I may not have agreed with the lack of physicality of the running game, but I also saw the amount of injuries to the running backs, and I saw a development of a Keaton Slovis where I couldn't have made, the, you know, I could make the argument before the season I just thought he was going to be a clipboard holder. And lo and behold, he goes from holding the clipboard to being the Pac-12 freshman of the year, offensive freshman of the year. So because of that type of optimism, the mere fact that two, two coordinators have been removed, which now frees up opportunity for Clay to do the right thing, to stumble across the right name, or to really do a co comprehensive due diligence and go out and identify the right leadership to take command of the defensive side of the ball. I truly believe that that's what he was hoping for in Clancy. That's what he got from Clancy from his first stint. And when Clancy left and came back, I'm not certain that he got the same Clancy energy that he did from, this, from Clancy's first stint with USC. So with that being said, what are some of the other wholesale changes? I think that he while I would love to see him move swift, I would much rather see the due diligence done so that he does it correct. There's a term that running back coaches like to use when they're talking to their running backs, slow to fast through. So if he sets up the right infrastructure and when he announces his decision, it proves to be the right decision based on the, the scope of the due diligence, I will be fine with that if that decision came right before a signing day Preferably, it should come sometime this week so that there's plenty of distance between now and signing day. But if it doesn't, um, I'm okay with it as long as he makes the right choice. The other thing that he needs to do is win the offseason. He needs to regain the trust of his, of, of, his, um, of his team by 
uh, getting them to buy into the off-season challenges and taking ownership of, two, of, of the 2020 season. This season will be as the commitment that they receive during the off-season as they pencil um, Alabama as their first game to open up, or, you know, early season, I should say, to open up the season. So those little, little um, movements, you, free, you just freed up a tight end position um, on the offensive side. Allow Graham Harrell to bring in another one of his guys to fill that position. Defensively, you got to make some more changes. You got to free things up. Have traditional linebacking coaches, not interior uh, middle linebacker or interior line and then, and then outside linebackers are in a different room. Put them all in the same room. Reorganize the locker room. Reorganize the meeting rooms so that there is consistency um, with it. But the other thing that I'd like to see Clay Helton demonstrate to us as the fan base is that he does have a plan. Give us a State of the Union address. Give us a sense of the direction that you want to take this program. Don't hide behind the fact that it is the offseason and you don't have to obligate yourself to talk to the media. Be proactive. Reingratiate yourself. Take ownership for the way that things went. Show some humility in that regard. Give us a sense that you recognize the pain and frustration without having to use a ton of cliches. Show some, some, some sincerity in your delivery so that people can begin to give you benefit of doubt and we can buy in and commit to an off season with optimism. If he does those little things, I think he can win back a fan base that is looking for every reason to come back home. I, I think that's big. I, I think I, I'm troubled right now by the fact that it feels like, and, and I get it. It's a lot of this is coming via social media. And this is something where Daryl, when, when you're playing uh, kind of halfway through your career and things are not going well at USC, you don't hear it from fans all the time. They, they don't have a way to send you direct messages or tweet at you or those kinds of things. So I'm assuming at that time you were a little bit more insulated from that than these players are on this team and really throughout all of college football. If you, if you make a mistake, you are getting crushed on social media. And that, I mean, I don't want to say fair or unfair. That's completely unfair <laughs> that you're yeah. kind of open and can take that sort of harassment. But it, that, it feels a little bit troubling right now where players are kind of feeling attacked by the fans and the, the fan. I don't think the fans mean to do that. I don't think the fans are saying, you know, we don't care about this team and, and the, the players are terrible and all that sort of stuff. It's just getting a little lost in translation. And you saw Chris Steele was one of the guys and there have been a few others where it's kind of this feeling of, you know, when we turn things around, don't come crawling back then. You know, that, that sort of idea. And that kind of hurts to see where the fans and, and players maybe are uh, at odds a little bit. Because I don't think anyone on either side is looking for that. And, and that's kind of something where I, I, I don't know how you get a handle of that this offseason. But I do think, Daryl, you made a, a really good point where the fans want to feel like they're being told the truth. And, and when you have a loss like Iowa and Clay, he, he kind of got to it a little bit. They were the better team. They, they beat us. I, I think fans want a little bit 
more of that. Look, we weren't ready here, and and they they were better than us here. We didn't do this well. Uh, we had mistakes here. That sort of thing, where you kind of own up to the whole thing. And I understand where Clay Helton comes from. He does not want to throw. It, it does not want to. He does not want to come across like he is throwing any of his players under the bus. He is absolutely. You talk about a player's coach. He is that personally. I think to a fault at times uh, where, where protecting players and making sure, you know, they feel like they can kind of do whatever they want. I think that at times is a detriment. And I think right now with kind of how the fan base feels about uh, the program and the, and the direction it's going again, not the, yep. not the players. It has nothing to do, I think with how they feel about how the, how the players did or, or what they're doing in the program. I think that's going to be interesting to watch because this offseason. And Eric, let, let, if, please, if I may comment to that, let, let me comment on, on, yes. on, on that because sure. here's where I think sometimes Clay misses the mark. Okay. And, and I'm speaking from just conversations from existing players and players who have left the program. Okay. Every player wants to feel protected by their coaches in the public. Don't put me on blast. Don't alienate me sure. amongst the public eye. Okay. Be a player's coach there by protecting me. Take ownership because, you know, to, to protect me. But in the meeting room, in the locker room, on the field, hold me accountable. Because if you don't hold me accountable, then how am I going to know what I need to correct? I then start to develop as a player a false sense of, 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 of security or a false sense of, of, of good, okay? You can make an interception as a defensive back, be out of position and just make an athletic play, but not be actually executing the game plan accordingly. Hold me accountable where I need to be held accountable. And where I think sometimes Clay Helton misses the mark is, it, just from my, uh, from my perspective, it's that fine line from acknowledging in that um, press conference that we weren't as prepared as we need to be and moving forward we're going to have to change the way we do things if we're going to reach the goals that we ultimately set for ourselves. You can say something like that without throwing your team under the bus, but to, to just tap dance around the true, the true nature and, and glorify another team without taking the, the responsibility of saying, because we lacked the right preparation, we made them, look like they were a national championship caliber team and they weren't. So I, I understand what you're saying. And from Chris Steele's perspective, yeah, I get it. It's a natural defense mechanism. He doesn't want to um, desensitize himself from a fan base. He wants to come home, play before his, uh, the, the fans in the Coliseum and feel welcomed. But when a player feels more welcomed on the road than they do at home, then that becomes a problem too. Absolutely. And I, and I was not trying to knock Chris Steele or any of those guys. I, I totally understand the feeling that they get. Look, when they go out, when they say anything, when they do anything, they're being met right now with just constant negativity. And that, that's a tough thing to play with it. And you hope they can kind of spin that forward. The players know Alabama's next. Whatever has to happen, uh, winter conditioning, spring ball, all of that stuff, they know what's coming. And I feel like they're going to be they're going to focus themselves. What you just hope and, and what I sort of 
what I sort of touched on earlier, when players came out of those games, came out of Iowa, came out of Oregon, uh, you know, Washington, the, the games that they lost, it, it felt like they were sort of like, you know, yeah, we're just a play away. We're, we're close. We just mi- didn't execute a little bit. And it, you just hope that Clay Hilton can find a way to drill down and really arrive at the conclusion of that, that a lot of us had watching it. It's not. You're you're not a play or two away from those programs. Those are it. It it looks different when those guys played. Iowa looked bigger. And when you talk about a Big Ten, Pac-12 team, you sort of come in with that easy conclusion. Okay, the Big Ten team is going to be bigger and stronger. The Pac-12 team will be faster. Iowa looked like they had the advantage in absolutely every category when you match two teams up. And that's not something where you can say, oh, we're a player two away. Uh, that, that was something that is striking. And I think that is sort of where Clay Helton really needs to drill down. And that's what we talked about kind of foundational. You need to have a, I think, a better understanding of, of who you are, where you want to go and how you need to get there. And those are massive questions that you're asking, you know, kind of five, six years uh, into a tenure. I think Greg's right, uh, a defensive coordinator who can come in and sort of change just everything about that side. Not not even so much that Clancy Pendergast was doing everything wrong, but you need a shakeup. And, and I think that's something that USC can hit on here. Um, recruiting at this point, you're, you're going to, they're going to get a couple guys um, between now and, and February, they'll sign a few more uh, in February. Some of them will be good players. This is not going to be a recruiting class where USC fans in 10 years are going, oh man, you know, thinking fondly about this class. There will be some guys that end up being able to play. But I, I think overall, it's still, Clay Hilton still needs to drill down and, and lay some foundation for this program and, and figure out how things are going to go forward because it feels like a lot of these decisions are just sort of being made on the fly fixing things one after another and and I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt when he says I'm now given an opportunity to really fix all of this stuff I I I want to see I want to see what that ends up looking like and again it's easy I think I think it's easy for fans and a lot of fans are going to say it's not going to matter and in the end that might be true but again for us right now covering the team wanting the team to do well wanting these players to find success those are the big questions for me does it look like every decision from here through the offseason is made with an end goal in mind and really a, a deliberate attempt to get somewhere else not just okay we need to take one more step forward because they need to take leaps forward I think and that Iowa game like Greg like you said right off the top that Iowa game I think showed us all everything about where they are right now and I think how far still they they need to go um, well you know what Eric let me just let me yeah. just say one thing I know we're coming to the end here but oh yeah let, let's Eric, wrap it up go ahead Greg yeah I was just gonna say you know you can't get in front of uh, the media and for the fans to hear that we're we're good, but we got to be great. First of all, you're not good. Okay, you're not good. Eight and five is not good unless you're at Oregon State or Washington State. That's not good at USC. Okay, 
So all of a sudden, there is a, a false statement right there. The key is perhaps just do what you're going to do and then don't say where we are today when everybody knows that we're not there today. And, and I think that sometimes Clay is trying to pretend that we're all gullible, but we're way, way past that now. Just go hire your defensive coordinator. Uh, allow the changes to be made. And like you said, and like Daryl said, uh, let's go on from here and find out where you're headed. Because I'm going to tell you something. The reality is, under different circumstances, Clay Helton is not the head coach at USC. But he is the head coach right now. So you know what? We'll see what you can do about it. I don't think Clay will ever be accepted by the fan base at this point. I think it's a lost cause. But for the sake of trying to, to put a positive spin on it, let's hope they get the defensive coordinatorship on the defensive end of the ball right. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about Alabama when September rolls around. I, I agree. Head down and, and sort of prove it still at this point. A, a lot of kind of changes are going to happen uh, between now and the, and the 2020 season. And, and we'll see kind of, again, how we feel about them, but more importantly, how they actually play out uh, during the spring, during the summer, and then in, into fall. So that sort of looks at our, our wrap right now. Again, plenty of stuff to change. The season's over, but kind of that off-season news just getting rolling right now. So we'll keep checking back in, and uh, we'll, we'll keep being here, uh, keeping everybody up to, up to speed on that. Um, so thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast. For Daryl Rideau, for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney.